Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card. Today's episode with uh, Ryan Fagan. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the sporting news. A little tour there almost 50 years ago. Ryan's uh, there. I guess, like many things, it's more virtual now, but Ryan's a talented writer and a hobbyist. And uh, we had a, a far-ranging discussion. We started out talking about 87 tops and, and meandered around to uh, other topics that I hope you'll find interesting. So thanks, sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Compsy.com. Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Panini, Upper Deck, and Tops. So uh, thank you, sponsors. Thank you, Ryan. And here's our discussion. If you're a kid in 87, in an 88 or 89 or 90, at some point, your mom threw away your cards. Okay? But we're blaming moms. The dad could do it too, or the older sister or older brother. But somehow you lost your cards. Your 87 Tops, they're gone. But if you came back into the hobby a few years ago, You'd think, I'm really ticked off. My cards got thrown away. And if you went to a card show or a card shop, you'd say, wait a minute, what was thrown away was not a felony. (laughs) It was a misdemeanor because those cards really, if they were handled, they really weren't worth that much. And I can get them back for a hundred bucks. I can get everything I had from back in the day and, and jump back in like I never missed a beat. So I think there's less angst because yeah. of that. Because if if somebody was collecting in the 50s and their mom threw out their cards and they came back, they'd be pretty ticked off. Their mom should go to jail. Because, <laughs> and I have people that are my age saying, yeah, I had those 52 tops mantles. I had several. And some of that can be apocryphal. But if even one person's right about it, that's almost criminal. <laughs> but you wouldn't have that in 87. That's my point. Yeah. Other than the basketball, which everybody, including me, had a chance to get on that train. But it was mainly baseball in those days. We didn't start a football magazine until 89. And people say, what took you so long? The hobby was mainly baseball. And then 88, yeah. it started you know, creeping in. And every year, it got a little bit more. And by 89, football, then basketball, then hockey, then we kept going, but but we couldn't have done a football magazine in 87. It, it wouldn't right. have sold or basketball. I remember but, when you guys started doing the, the football and basketball, I remember thinking, oh, that's a good idea. Like it had never occurred to me. But it, it wasn't a good idea a few years before because it wasn't yeah. right. But baseball wasn't. So a lot of that energy that otherwise would have gone to basketball and football was almost totally going into baseball. Yeah. And 87 tops were everywhere. You could get them at the gas station, I think. You could get them at the oh, yeah. mass retailers, grocery stores, five and dime, all those kind of places, hobby, retail. There were not as many car card shops, I think, peaked in the early 90s. Yeah. But in 87, they were still coming on pretty strong. Yeah. And we'd ride our bikes up to the Ben Franklin dollar store, and that's where we would get a lot of ours. I like that idea of like getting back everything you have for 100 bucks. You're right. And I wonder if that's part of the reason why people aren't mad about it. Exactly. Otherwise, they'd be too hurt. They'd be too yeah. psychologically damaged, Ryan. I, I think you have people looking who to sue. Right. <laughs> in, in a litigious society. I'm the lead baseball writer. Sporting News, the primary baseball writer. So cover the league as things arise. Go cover the World Series, the All-Star Game, and all that kind of stuff. Based out of St. Louis now. I lived in Charlotte from... 2009 to 2000. Basically, at that point, split my time halfway between baseball in the summer and college hoops in the winter. Okay. Uh, moved back to St. Louis in. Well, St. Louis, is that still where Sporting News is headquartered? No, actually, we're in Charlotte now because we were in St. Louis. Oh, you got still. bought by the. Um, 
ACBJ. ACBJ, right, yeah. right. And they were based out of Charlotte, so they moved yes. us to Charlotte. Yes. Um, and I was actually the very last employee to make the move because we were waiting until the end of the 08 World Series for me to go. So then, yeah, Sporting News has been sold a couple times since then. I've been here 16 years. It's the best ownership situation that, that we've had. It's pretty, we went through a lot of lean years. It's in great shape right now. But yeah, so it's funny because we moved back so I could be at the ballpark all the time because it's harder to cover baseball from North Carolina. And I promised my wife, we've got a little daughter. I told her all these great things you can do in St. Louis. The zoo is free and all these things. And then of course, COVID shut everything down five months after we moved here. So I didn't go to the ballpark at all. And the first year of the pandemic, I went back this last year pretty regularly. My first professional interaction with uh, the sporting news was about 50 years ago. I was coming through St. Louis, uh, a buddy whose mom was a Spinks secretary. Oh, okay. I was into cards. And so he called his mom and said, Hey, this guy's really into cards and would love to get a tour of the sporting news. Can you work that? I said, sure. So, so went over there, spent a half a day going through. And the main thing I remember, it's probably digitized or gone, but they had amazing photo archives. Yes. Amazing photo archives. And now this is 1972 or three, somewhere around in there. Yeah. Uh, it was just in file cabinets, alphabetized by player, as I recall. And the people were really friendly, but it was old school journalism, telephone and stringers and things like that. It was an old fashioned media company that was doing a weekly tabloid. I subscribed for many years. Print is difficult. Print is yeah. difficult. And it's become yeah. almost untenable because it was like the newspaper, even though sporting news is almost all baseball when I started. And then it move toward covering all the sports. In the 70s, that would have been the office down on Washington Avenue, I believe. And they moved out a little bit farther away from the city, still within the county, and on Lindbergh. And that's where it was when I started. And I remember uh, the first couple of weeks I was there, I ventured back into the archives. My jaw hit the floor. And I was like, is it okay for me to be here? Because I didn't know it was this amazing treasure trove. And I couldn't believe that I had access to it. So yeah, I would get done with my shift and I would just go back there and spend hours looking through the player cards, looking at the photo archives, checking the books out. It was, yeah. When I, when I think back of my formative years and, and the impression that made upon me, when I went there, it was such a treasure trove, but there was a level of trust within the employees and the people there. You weren't checking it out. You'd access it if you need it and you'd put it back. That's the same system we did in our company because we had editorial needs for photos and cards and things like that. And so we had the same kind of open access and we got burned. Really? And sporting news, there's missing stuff. Yeah. Because not everybody is the same level of honesty, but those were simpler days, Ryan. And sporting news, they weren't grumbling. They didn't have lock and they didn't have this camera set up all over the place and things like that. But now I guess that's necessary. Yeah, it's sad. Because then people don't have as, as easy access to it. Right. Again, if it's all digitized, then they, they can't really steal it in the same sense. The new owner cares about the archives, which is one of the things I'm so excited about. The previous two did not. It can be commercialized. It, yeah, it absolutely could be. It's crazy how much is there. Um, a lot of it actually is in the possession of Lindenwood University, which is a little college outside of St. Louis, which is actually in the town that I grew up in, St. Charles. They have access to it. They have a lot of it now because... ACBJ, and quite honestly, didn't care. That's um, surprising. So That's surprising. It, it's That's long been a source of frustration for those of us who care about the, the company and the history. But the new owner, that's one of his favorite things. And so they're working to put the archives in a place that they should be, quite honestly. And that's one of the things that's so exciting about 
the direction we're going in. So that's a whole nother topic though. Yeah. Do you get to weave card collecting into some of your uh, regular work or is it? I do. I, I do as, I do as much to try not to overwhelm with it during the pandemic. I did a couple of stories on just the boom and what it has done. That's been pretty cool. MLB network did their show carded in that first episode where they had talked to Don Mattingly about being baseball cards and, and they had me as a guest for one segment on there. So that was, we've done some other stuff I've done. When I went to the ballpark this year down at Bush stadium, I would always bring a little, a box of junk wax packs. And I'd post on Twitter, you guys, if you're here and you want a pack, come get it. So people would come up to the press box and I'd meet them outside and give them a pack. And they'd be like, oh, is there anything cool in here? I was like, I mean, there's nothing. You're not going to get rich off this pack. You may have some players you remember, but that's part of the fun. But yeah, I try to write about it when it's relevant. Like when Target and Walmart stopped sales last year, I did a couple of stories on that because it was newsworthy. A couple more in the hopper as well. Uh, number one, I'm glad you're the guy. <laughs> That's great. But I'm projecting ahead over the next one, two, three years with fanatics. I mean, their stated goal, I think, is to double the size of the market. They haven't said to double it, but I know they want to double the market and they yeah. want to make cards more mainstream. You're the perfect guy to be able to help tell that story. My guess is that they're going to be pushing it with the Players Association and MLB to try to make cards more relevant, more mainstream, more accepted, and more part of the story. You're well-positioned. I think Major League Baseball is going to want greater integration of memorabilia and cards with the reporting of the game. And if that's the case, that's going to be fabulous. I'm hoping to continue to work myself into that position to be one of the people that talks about it. I'm not saying they're going to demand it, but it might be a new expectation Yeah, that, that cards are more mainstream and that is part of the story. How do you, you think? Know, Fanatics, how do you think Fanatics goes about doubling? They, they're going to double the marketing, and they think the that's going to double the the size of the market, which is going to mean twice as many people. Some of the people that were reading your stuff that didn't have a clue about collecting, a bunch of them are saying, "I know, I've heard about collecting now. It's relevant to the sport because the players' association, the leagues, are excited enough to take an equity piece in this Fanatics, which is." advertising on TV now or other places where they weren't doing it before. And so to be part of uh, sporting news reporting with sporting news, having such a great legacy of said, even the classified ads in the back there, that was one of the places where the early dealers could sell the, the new sets. It's going to be interesting. I'm going to, I'm actually going to reach out to the players association to see if they have anybody who wants to talk about the, the tops acquisition, because as you said, they're part of it. They're invested. They're going to want people to talk about it, Ryan. Yeah, and, and or, or to, to write about it. That's my feeling. And, and there could be a writer that doesn't have a clue about collectibles and cards, and they're just going to be picking up quotes that are may or may not be relevant. Whereas you, really understanding what's going on, you've got a chance to add the nuance of, hey, collecting's been around for a long time. It's just grown in popularity. We got these new people that are coming in, but we have all the old people that came back. <laughs> what we thought was attrition was dormancy. Yeah. And people woke back up, a bunch of yeah. Rip Van Winkles. A bunch of people press pause. But you're the ideal guy to write about that. Yeah. And to make it look like it's not an odd thing, it's perhaps even a natural progression yeah. brought on partly by COVID where people wanted to get in touch and profitable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you beat that? Yeah. And that's one of the things that always struck me so much about the collecting boom during the, the pandemic because it was everybody talks about like the money and it did go crazy. But it was just the people that got back in it. Do you trying to find this little thing that made you happy? And you found these things and you were like, okay, what made me happy as a kid? It's 
these cards made me happy as a kid. So. The man in my heart.